to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I've been a prison guard for over two years, and I hate my job. I've applied to be transferred, but it keeps getting denied. I cry out to Zeus, but it seems like Zeus doesn't even listen. I really wonder, is he even real? If I could have my deepest desires met, I would love to have a shop on the coast where my sons and I could run it. My wife says I should just find delight in the job that I have. At least I have a job in this economy. But she has no idea what it's like to do what I do. She has no idea how hard it is and how the guys that I deal with are just such evil men. She has no idea what it's like to be in a dark, gloomy place each and every day. Darkness will get to a person. Take this day. Two guys were thrown in prison today. I don't really know what they did. Oh, I, I heard they did something to some little girl, but I don't know exactly. They stole or they, they, they did something to her, and they said they did it in the name of Jesus. And I've heard of this Jesus guy. I don't really know who he is. I know some people either like him and some people hate him. I really don't care. I'm a Roman, and I just sort of do what I do. You see, I really would love to hear more about why they are doing what they're doing. You know, I've, I've wanted something new, but it doesn't seem to be happening my way. Well, wait a minute. Why are these guys singing? What do they have to be happy about? It's midnight. Nobody sings at midnight. And, and these guys, they're not just in prison, but they're in the deepest part of my prison. And I have them chained to the ground. Why do they have such joy? Hey, guys, why are you singing? They yelled back to me, delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What in the world does that mean? Delight in who? I thought the Lord was Caesar. Man. Whatever these guys are smoking, I want some of it. I'm going to go to bed. Lord, God, I ask that you would meet each of us us here this morning. Lord, I pray that no matter what dark prison we might be in, no matter what dark place where our mind might be held, no matter what place where we cannot find joy, happiness, or delight in, in the situation that we find ourselves in today, Lord, I pray that we might see you. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, we might leave this theater, we might leave this sanctuary, we might leave this holy place that people come to see movies in, yet, Lord, you are here in this moment. Lord, I pray that we might hear from you, Lord, this morning. God, I pray that you would speak to your people no matter where they are going to church, Lord, today. God, if they're at CCV, Lord, I ask your blessings upon them. Lord, if they're at Christ Church, God, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, if they're at Valley Life, Lord, I ask that you'd bless them. Lord, if they're at um, Heritage Church, Lord, I ask that you'd bless Jason as he speaks this morning. Lord, bless us at City View. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to get back to that story in a little bit. That story, I mean, I sort of came up with the gist of what's happening, but I can picture that as what's going on in Acts chapter 16, which we'll get there. But how many of you have ever been in a situation that deserved no delight? 
deserve no reason to be happy or to find joy. Anybody ever been in a situation where there's really no reason to find delight? Anybody ever been there? We're just looking going, this stinks. There's nothing good that could be found in this situation that I'm in right now. Anybody ever been there? I think many of us have. We've been in a situation or in a path of life where we just cannot see any good because it seems like it's just darkness surrounding us. We're in a series called Soul Cycle right now. It's really looking at the soul, looking at the inner us, the inner you, the what's going on inside you, that, that idea of what's eating you, what's churning in you, what, what is it that's happening in your heart, your conscience, the you that nobody else sees except for you and that you that nobody else understands and many times you don't even get you. And as we look at this soul cycle, we're looking at Psalm 37. And in Psalm 37, it says, trust in the Lord. Delight in him. Oh. Oh, I was not going there yet. Trust in him. Delight in him. Commit your way to him. Rest in him. Last week, we talked about the importance of trusting in God and how that's where it all starts. And as we trust in God, then today we're going to be looking at delighting in God. And next week, we're going to look at committing our way to God. And then when we do these things, what happens in life is we find rest even in the turmoil. We can find rest even as Jesus was on a boat when there was a huge storm, yet he was able to rest in that moment. Even as we find, as we, can, as we look at this story of Acts Paul and Silas find rest. Even as we look at other people in the Bible, there's a guy named Joseph in the Bible who was thrown into prison for nothing wrong that he did, yet he still was able to find rest because his delight was in God. Psalm 37, verses 1 through 4 says this. Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The next step in this soul cycle is to delight in God. But here's the thing that I think many of us, maybe we don't even realize, is that God delighted in you before you even knew about him. Whether you believe it or not, God delights in you. Whether you delight in him or not. He still loves you. He still has a plan for you. He still has good plan for you. It says in Psalm 147, it's not going to be up here because I added this later on. I mean, it might be. Sometimes my guys get on it quick. Look at that. Goodness gracious. They're good. Psalm 147, verse 11 says, no the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty, he is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You see, God delighted in you way before you even thought about delighting in him. So what does it mean to delight in the Lord? What does it mean to delight? Well, to delight me has the idea to rejoice or to have joy in or to take pleasure in. 
Have you ever thought that that's how God thinks of you, that God actually rejoices over you and he takes joy in you? And I don't know many of you. I don't know you very well. I don't know what kind of husband or wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, or best friend or son or daughter. I don't know what kind of person you are. I don't know what kind of employee you are. I don't know any of that about you. But what I do know is that somehow God still rejoices over me even in my worst days. And it doesn't make sense because I know me pretty well. And I know that on my really bad days, I am not, I wouldn't love me. I don't love me. On my worst days can be some of my worst days, and I'm like, I need to see my counselor. Because I've had a, I just am a hot mess, and I feel like crying or doing something. I don't even know what I feel like. I'm an emotional guy, so if you're newer to City View, I cry. I don't cry this morning, so just to let you know. <clears throat> but sometimes I do. But it's crazy that God somehow rejoices over me. But for us to find delight, that's what it means. It means to rejoice, to find pleasure or joy in. But here's the thing about delight. To delight in something, it includes a deliberate redirection of your emotions. It's a choice you have to make to find delight in something. You have to make that choice. It's not just going to happen. You're not just going to be like, oh, life is good. No, it's a choice. You have to be like, in the, have you ever been in those moments where there's no reason for you to find delight, yet in that you're still like, God, you've got a plan in this, and God, I'm still going to trust you. Any of you ever been there where as you have no right, no reason, there's no good reason for you to say, you know what, God, you're still good. And the people are like, but you just lost so-and-so, or but you, you, you just got a terrible diagnosis, or this just happened. You're like, I know, but... God is still good. And they look at you going, how can you delight in this? And it's because you're doing this. You're delighting in the Lord. And there's something that's working and something that's clicking. Where do your thoughts go when things don't go as you had hoped or wanted? When life goes bad, we tend to focus on the problems that arise around us. When this happens, we become defeated, depressed, and we fall into a sadness, don't we? Any of you ever been there? Yeah, me too. I've been there. However, at all times of life, we are challenged to let the Lord be the focus and our main attention. We, we have to make a choice. You have to make a choice on what gets your attention. You have to make a choice on your attention. You have to make a choice on what gets your focus. What gets your focus? And here's four things to focus on. Number one, Focus on who is he, who is God to you. My wife is doing this Bible study right now called Keys to Freedom. Um, and in it, it has you ask some difficult questions. And as I was typing out these own questions to myself, one of the questions I thought is, you know, I say, who is he to you? Who is God to you? And then I thought, but who am I to God? How, how does God view me? You know, I think many of us, we view God in a way like maybe we feel like our parents do or whatever. And am I, am I, am I worthy for them to be proud of me? Am I making them happy in this moment? Have I, have I done all my chores? Have I, have I done my homework right? Have I, have I cleaned my room to their standard? Have I done this? And we're, we're wanting to please them. Anybody ever been there? We're just wanting to please somebody, make somebody happy. We're, we can almost put that on God. But what's crazy is God loves you not because of how clean your room is or how good you do, but he loves you. And what, what does he think about you? That you are his honored child. 
So the first question is, who is God to me? Number two, what has he done for you? Some of you think, nothing. Well, have you ever had to really step back in life and look and see what's actually happening? I think many of us, we can be so stuck in the mud that we don't see what's happening. But when we step back, we realize, wait a minute, I'm on the beach. Your truck can be stuck in the sand, but when you really step back, you're like, what better place to be stuck in the sand than on the beach? It's going to get out. It's not going to be here forever. Somebody's going to help. So sometimes what we do, we need to focus on, okay, what is being done for you? What is happening in your life? What are the things? Where is God taking you? Sometimes the hiccups and the things that happen in life when things don't go the way they're supposed to, we can be so mad and sad, but how many times has that roadblock actually been a perfect block so that you would go in the right direction? Any of you ever been there? Where you were on a path to go somewhere and then all of a sudden it didn't work out? And you're like, oh, God, you had this planned for me. So let's take a step. Let's focus on where is he taking me and how much does he love me? You see, even in the darkest days that we endure, if we wait long enough, something good is coming around the corner. You see, I think that that is most of us in, our, in those difficult situations. We get stuck and we forget that there's something good. We've got to realize that there's something better. It's in those dark moments that we can be taken into a deep, dark place. And I ask you, what are you finding delight in? You see, finding delight is a deliberate redirection of one's emotions. It's on purpose. You, you have to focus. You have to say, okay, what good is there in this? Okay, God, what can I rejoice? You see, that it takes, it takes work on our part. It's not just going to come naturally to find delight in these sometimes terrible situations in life. But we've got to be able to step back. And some of you, you can, you can say right now, I've been able to do that. Others of, others of you, you're like, I can't right now because I'm in the middle of it. And I get that. I've been there. But there's these moments where we can step back. Change the focus. Change the direction. You see that jailer, he woke up that day, I'm sure hating his job. That jailer who is stuck in a place where, I mean, I can't imagine, you know, we look at jails today and, you, you know, they talk about them. I, I've never, I've never, I've been to one, but I've never on like, I went on purpose to visit somebody. I've never been because I was going, they were making me. But they're not as smelly as what I would picture, a place with darkness and mold and nasty filth and no running water and no bathrooms. That's not what they were like back in these days. You know, I'm sure that jailer woke up that day going, man, I really wish I could find joy. I really wish I could find hope. I really wish I could find what would satisfy my heart. And when he heard those two guys singing, I'm sure he thought, what in the world? do they have to sing about? What in the world do they have to rejoice in? Because not only are they in jail, but we're going to find out later on that they're in the most inner parts of the jail. And not only are they in the most inner parts of the jail, we're going to find out that they are shackled to stocks. It's uncomfortable. It's not fair. We're going to find out that right here in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. 
It says, it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl, having a spirit of a demon of divination, met us, who was bringing her master's much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept writing out, saying, these men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. So here's what we have. We have this girl who is this slave girl, and she is possessed by a demon, and she is somehow able to predict things or to speak truths about people in their lives. That's what a demon can do. A demon has power. They do. It's real. And this, this little girl was possessed by them, and, and these two guys are taking advantage of a little girl. They're taking advantage of her and using her and abusing her. And it sounds so similar to some of the terrible things that happen to young people even today. And this little girl is following Paul and Silas along with their posse, all this crew of people. We know that Luke is there because Luke says, and we. So we know that Luke happens to be there. Luke is one of the guys who writes a gospel. Luke was not a disciple, one of the 12. Some people get that mixed up. He wasn't. He just wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts. And he's there writing. And this girl is proclaiming and she's yelling all these things. This guy, these are bondservants of God. And look at what happens. It says, she continued to do this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. Why would this annoy Paul? It's like free marketing. It's like, you, you know, on your Facebook wall when all of a sudden there's all these ads that pop up all the time. You're like, why do I keep seeing this? Because you clicked on one thing one time in Google and it tracks you and it listens to your own in your home every single day. Google knows what you're doing. Always. He's always listening. It's, it's actually sort of creepy. Um, totally side note, but I'm like, should I turn my phone and all those other devices off when I'm home so my wife and I can actually have a conversation? And Google said, no, you're fine. So it was really weird. <clears throat> but, so, but why would Paul be so mad and annoyed? Because the devil has no right to proclaim Jesus. Jesus doesn't need the devil to be his mouthpiece. And he's proclaiming it in blasphemy. And the devil, through this little girl, is proclaiming it in mockery. And so what does Paul do next? He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her at that very moment. But when her master saw that, that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews. And they are proclaiming customs which is not lawful for us to accept or to observe, being Romans. The crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. And when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. What would you do? What would your attitude be like in that moment? How many of you have ever been treated unfairly? Anybody? What would, I mean, this is pretty unfair. They helped a the little girl. This is, I mean, there's some, some of us, like, if we could go out and be vigilantes and help any kid that is in any kind of prison, would we not do the same thing except for maybe with a little bit of violence? Go all boondock saints on people. I mean, that, there's, I, I'm like, okay, throw me in prison for that. But you see, they did no violence. They did nothing to those guys. All they did was say, hey, demon, get out of her. 
That's all they did. And all of a sudden, they find themselves in prison. What do you do in that moment? Where does your heart go? Where does your focus go? Could you find hope? Could you find joy? And could you find delight in that moment? It's not fair. But life isn't fair. The choices you make direct the course of your soul. The choices you make direct the course of your soul. It's so true. Each decision, each choice does way more than a physical thing. It does something inside of you. It does something in you. You see, Paul and Silas had every reason to be bitter, angry, and mad at God. They had every reason to be depressed and feel forgotten. But what do they do? They choose to delight. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 25. But about midnight, I don't know, if I've been in prison this long. I, at midnight, I'd be pretty, how many of you after a few hours are really thinking about it? You're either really mad or really sad. You've either cried or you've screamed or you've yelled and you're like, I'm in here for no right reason. You've done all that. How many of you at that moment? You'd be like, and you're cussing now and now you're threatening the guy. I'm going to tell God and God's going to kill you. I mean, that's where we've gone, right? At that point, I don't know where I'd be going, but I'm, I'm not singing. It says, but about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening. So something I didn't say last service. People are always watching your life and they're always listening to what you say. When you gossip, they look and they say, Christians are just like everybody else. When you stop it, they're like, Christians are different. Why didn't you jump in that conversation? You're like, yeah, because it's not good. They're always listening. So these guys in prison, they're listening, thinking, why in the world are these guys singing at, first off, they're probably thinking, why are they singing at midnight? And they're probably thinking, why are they singing, period. It says, and suddenly... There arose a great earthquake so that the foundation of the, earth, of the house, of the prison house was shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had all escaped. Because that's what I would have done. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we're all here. And he called for the lights and he rushed in trembling with fear and fell down before Paul and Silas. And what does he say? You guys are crazy. Why didn't you run? No, what does he say? He says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, God had a plan and his plan was for that jailer and the guys in jail. And Paul and Silas were okay with that plan. They understood that God's plan was bigger than any idea they had. They were okay with delighting in God no matter what the situation was that brought them. They went into jail. They go, okay, God, we're in prison now. So what's your plan in here? God, what's your play? God, what's your play? He goes, delight in me. They're like, all right, I know a song. Once I sing it, I think it's Psalm 37. And then all of a sudden, Silas starts a little beat. And then Paul's like, you know, he starts doing his little thing. And then they start singing. Paul, he says he wasn't very eloquent, so his rap wasn't very good. But everybody started singing. And they all started listening. You see, in every situation, we have to decide what gets our focus and what gets our delight. In every situation, you are battling light and dark. Every situation, it's light and dark. 
If you give the darkness an inch, it can easily take over. For some reason, darkness is so scary. Darkness is said to creep. Darkness is said to be to be thick. Darkness is said to be blinding. Martin Luther King says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Paul and Silas could have let darkness win. But they decided to be the light. They decided to delight in the light. And Frank says this, look at how a single candle can both defy and define the darkness. You know who Anne Frank was? Some of you are like, I've never heard of her. She was a Jewish little girl during the <clears throat> World War II. Yet she says such truth. You see, when they made the choice to choose delight over sadness, to choose delight over bitterness, to choose delight over a place your heart can so easily go to darkness, their heart's desires were met. Their heart's desires were not for their freedom. I think their heart's desires was for the freedom of the souls of those in prison. I think that was their heart's desire. You see, I think Paul and Silas, everywhere they went, they thought, okay, God, what is it you want here? They get thrown in prison. They go, okay, God, there's people in prison that need you, so we'll be in prison for you. That's what they thought. Everywhere they went, they delighted in God, and they wanted God's desires. So all of a sudden, when the prison doors were open, and when every single prisoner was able to run, where did they run? Where did those prisoners run? They ran to the one place they knew they could find hope and joy, back into prison. And not in their prison cell, they ran back into the prison cell that was the most inner prison. They ran into the cell where Paul and Silas were. And they wanted to ask them, why are you singing and they said, because of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the same, the jailer comes in, and he's getting ready to kill himself. And, and they said, no, don't kill yourself. And the jailer responded. He says, I want what you have. What happens is not only does that jailer give his life to Jesus, but he says, guys, you need to come to my house. You need to tell my family. Some of you, you have family and friends that need to know about Jesus and you are scared to invite them to church. You're scared to tell them, and I get it. Sometimes that can be intimidating. You can leave that up to church and we can do that for you. We'll help you, but invite them. We're getting ready for Christmas season. That's a time where people are willing to go to church. Invite them. That's what this prison guard did. His life was so changed. He found delight in Jesus. He thought he'd find it in something else. He didn't realize that it was going to be found in prison that day. He thought delight would be found in a job or something else. But he found it in prison because Jesus can meet you wherever you are. That's what happens in this moment. So what does it mean to delight in God? One, it begins with realizing that he's present. It begins with realizing his presence it means we are absorbed by God's pure, loving, and holy character. Delighting in God means that we stay close, in close relationship with Him. 
Delighting in God, it means that we surrender to his will and his delight. It has the idea of when a flower opens to the sun. That's what it means to submit to God. When a flower opens and shows its, its full glory to the sun, that's what we are to do with God. Say, God, I submit to you. I trust you. Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as we delight in God, what does it mean? Does it mean that we get whatever we want? Does it mean like God becomes our personal genie and we just say, okay, God, here's what I want for today. Can you imagine if God answered every single prayer you wanted? And every single prayer every other person on earth wants. You're like, that would be really cool. Would it though? Would it? Because I wonder how many people prayed for the house you wanted and you got it and they didn't. I wonder how many people are saying, dear God, I pray that I would marry Sally. And I wonder if Jeff over here is saying, dear God, I want to marry Sally. But Sally's saying, dear God, I want to marry Scott. And Scott's saying, dear God, I don't want to ever be married. And God answers all their prayers. What happens in that situation? I don't know. I'm glad God doesn't do my heart's desires. Because if God did everybody's heart's desires, what would God do with all the Muslim prayers? God, I pray that the infidels would die. Well, good luck. You guys would all be dead. You see, it doesn't work like a genie. Our, de- our desires have to be lined up with God's will. You see, when we delight in God, our desires are put in line with him. When we delight in God, our desires are for spiritual good. When we delight in God, our desires are not so much to have, but to be and to do. When we delight in God, we're saying, okay, God, where is it you are going? You see, Paul and Silas, when the prison doors opened, they could have been like, hey, yeah, we're free. But that wasn't the goal. That wasn't what their desire was. The desires were that people would come to know Jesus. That was their desire. That's why when the prison doors opened, they said, hey, guys, come on in. That's when, when the jailer came in, they didn't say, yeah, kill you because you beat us. They said, no, 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 dude, don't kill yourself. Come on in. And he said, what you guys have, I want. I want you coming here today. You're searching for your heart's desires. But let me tell you, they can only be met in Jesus. Nothing else will ever, ever satisfy you. Just like that jailer that day. He thought he wanted to be set free from that jail. What he didn't realize, that his very heart's desires would be found in that same jail. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I praise you. You are such a good God. You meet us in great ways. And Lord, I know some of us were struggling with with who you are and what we believe in you and all of those things. Lord, God, I I pray, God, that today you would stir in us a desire for you. And Lord, for those of us, we came today not trusting or believing you. Lord, I pray that we would leave knowing you, just like that jailer. Just like that jailer, we'd go, please, Who is your Savior? And if that's you this morning, if you came today questioning, wondering, do I believe in this? I want to give you an opportunity to take that step of faith. It doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. It doesn't mean you know it all, but you're saying, okay, I'm going to start walking this. I want to put my delight in God because I see what good He does. If that's you, I say you pray with me this morning. Say, dear God, I'm sorry for how I've lived, but God, I want to find my delight in you. God, I thank you that your son Jesus loves me. I thank you that your son Jesus dies for me. 
Lord, I thank you that your son Jesus forgives me. God, I believe in you now in Jesus' name. If you prayed with me this morning, I ask that you would raise your hand because I have a gift for you that I'd like to give you. If you prayed with me this morning, please raise your hand. I got a gift and one of my ushers is gonna come up and hand you something. Keep your hand up. Lord, each of us, our souls are at different places. Some of us are struggling. We're questioning. Lord, we're struggling with trying to figure out how we can delight in the situation that we're in. Lord, I pray, God, that we would find our delight in you knowing that you're there. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.